0: It's time to become reformers. These are my confessions. To get deeper in this conversation, visit MikeMayashiro.com. Okay, hello. Welcome to Confessions of a Reformer. This episode is going to be different than others. Um, today, uh, it's just me. And today, it's just audio. I'm, I don't have a video. going. I'm not, I don't have a camera on me. And I'm on a walk. So, disclaimer, if I feel winded, it's because or sound winded, it's because I'm on a walk and I'm gonna try and manage my pace so that doesn't happen. <laughs> but I, I wanted to come in here at a different approach today, just to address some some fundamental shifts that I that are are going to influence a lot of aspects of what I do, and I think including my podcast. So I'd just love for you all to be on that journey with me and to be apprised. So this is kind of like a sync up. Let's catch up. <laughs> I want to just kind of share some of the behind the scenes process that has happened um i think i've talked about it here and there lightly but i kind of want to give a, a more like succinct linear um commentary on what happened and then where how that i think is going to affect the rest of all this so um i hope this isn't boring <laughs> i hope that this kind of helps invite you deeper into this process and that you know things just kind of make more sense as we go i guess um so This last couple, whatever, this last season, which I think has been like a a couple of years, literally like since the pandemic to now, uh, I think it's true that for a lot of us that our lives have just been upheaved, right? We've experienced a lot of transition, both externally in our circumstances, but then maybe more importantly, internally in our worldview and perspective. I think the deconstruction community has like popped in in large part because of the space we got to have from some coercive dynamics to being Christians and being in that system, right? I think that's a factor. Anyway, all that to say, um, this whole shift that I'm having to like account for now obviously started with me coming out. So I came out as a gay man, and I did that in the midst of like my Christian career, right? I was like a Christian influencer and speaker and whatever and thought leader and my environment, my audience, the people who were subscribing to me, listening to me, inviting me to come speak in their spaces did not like that I came out as a gay man. They didn't mind if I struggled with being attracted to men as long as I wasn't embracing that or acting on it or promoting or celebrating or like affirming anybody else who was in that space. right? Um, and so I got to discover in pretty visceral ways how deeply problematic and gross that is in the Christian space. Um, it's gross. And I, I'm not apologetic about that attitude. I think um, it's really sad and pathetic what Christians have done with the amount of opportunity we've been given to take into account and inventory and be held accountable to the results that our beliefs and ideologies are producing in the lives of people, especially marginalized people in our society. Um, It's inexcusable. And so it just got to a point where um, as I came out and got to continue to work out the drama and the mess in my relationships especially, with Christians on the upheaval that that brought to that space, it stopped being me just like fighting for my rights and my dignity and my worthiness in the eyes of the people that I considered my community and friends and family. Um, It was that, which in and of itself is like intense, right? But beyond that, it actually started becoming even more troublesome and deeply concerning to me the blind spots that Christians specifically had to someone like me in my position coming, uh, being authentic and showing up fully in this space where I finally stopped hiding and altering myself and like accommodating their opinion and perspective. The moment I protested and said, I'm not doing this for you anymore, I'm gonna be me, I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna humble myself and stop hiding for the sake of the benefits that I've been receiving. And instead I'm gonna like embrace the cost of like living a full, honest, vulnerable life, um, they didn't like it. And there were some really ugly attitudes and behaviors and treatment that I got to witness firsthand repeatedly. And there were patterns to all of this. It, it, just, it stopped being unique. It wasn't any one person. It was Christians. It was religious people. Repeatedly, continuously, incessantly, unyieldingly. And it just became so um, copy and paste repeat for me that I couldn't just ignore it. It couldn't, I then had to start asking some deeper questions because I was like, ew, what I'm seeing and witnessing and experiencing from these people is so not just personally painful, but also objectively horrifying. Like it is unjust. It is unkind. It is merciless. It is exclusive. It is demeaning. It is condemning. It was like all those things. And so I had to like (laughs) wrestle through some of a lot of what I was forced to confront in my, in my experience. And then like, had to look inside and be like, where, is this in me? Like, and I started noticing, you know, in this kind of, like, troubling, haunting way that I also exhibited these attitudes that I hated that I was experiencing from Christians. I harbored them in my heart toward other people. I might not have expressed them. I maybe wasn't rude and overt and, you know, belligerent in how I expressed these things, but I had those sentiments and attitudes in my heart toward other people who didn't line up with my worldview or my beliefs or didn't restrict their lives in the ways that I restricted mine. Uh, And I didn't like that. I knew like, this is a deeper problem. It's not just like a difference of beliefs. It's not a matter of faith. This is like, we are patterning our lives and our worldview and our expectations of other people and our relationship with freedom and love after a certain subset of beliefs um, of doctrines, maybe more specifically, and the result of this alignment is actually producing really bad things in the world, specifically for the people who have left those spaces, who don't adhere to those things anymore. And all I could continue to recognize in this free fall, this descent was conditional love. It wasn't unconditional love. It wasn't grace. It wasn't mercy. It wasn't compassion. It wasn't empathy. It wasn't humility. It was the opposite of all of those things. And all those things I just listed are huge values in the Bible and things that Jesus specifically like championed and preached (laughs) and expected from the people who followed him. And so I was like, oh my God, there's something even deeper than just like how queer people are being treated by Christians. There's something deeper. Christians like There are problems with Christians in the world today. Like, this is objectively, empirically bad. I'm not just hurt and angry and resentful. Like, that's true. I am hurt and angry and resentful, and I am still working through those things, and I'll continue to do so. But underneath my own personal pain on how I've personally been treated by bad leaders and the Christian environment and just the institutionalized church, underneath that, I'm looking at society and people who are like me and not like me, who don't fit into the Christian mold, and they are treated terribly by Christian people. Um, Not every single Christian that exists, but Christianity at large has become a movement in the world of bigotry. Like, there's not a ton of accountability for why Christians believe what they believe. It's based off of this book and the way they've chosen to read it, or the way they've been told to read it. Um, And that's just, there's so many holes. And I don't want to get lost because I could just keep going. And that's not what this episode is supposed to be about. So I'm going to move on from this. But anyway, the point in all that was it became morally abhorrent and unacceptable to me to simply just be an out gay Christian. I was like, no, no, I, something about being Christian is actually deeply troubling and unsettling for me on a moral level. Like ethically, I can't just pretend like this is fine or not look into this. Like there are actually infected areas of the, the, the Christian tradition I was raised in that I've never had the wherewithal to confront. I didn't understand it. I probably had like conscience challenges and hiccups along the way, right? Not probably, I definitely did, but I didn't understand why, like what was upsetting about it or how to confront it, right? And so as I've, anyway, so all that to say, that kind of forced me onto a deeper journey of deconstructing, of having to hold these beliefs accountable and recognize, hey, some of this like really strong, specific, expectations that Christians bring to other people's lives are based on things that are not substantiated by facts. <clears throat> it's based on strong opinions and coercive, insistent behavior and attitudes. It's based on, you know, some people's opinions about how to read the Bible, like a a, a popular like esoteric group of systematic theologians who've told you this is what the Bible's saying and this is how we apply it to our lives today. And unfortunately, a lot of the conclusions that they came to are producing really bad fruit in the lives of people who aren't Christians, especially. And that's like really bad. It's really bad, especially when you look at what Jesus preached and like how his ministry affected people. Um, This isn't it. (laughs) This isn't it. So um, the last year and a half, I, maybe two years, I deep dove and I started reading books By authors i'd never heard of before by voices i would not have been allowed to read especially when i was a leader in the institution right like i started breaking the rules and going outside the lines and you know (laughs) yeah like crossing barriers that i was prohibited from crossing when i held responsibility within the system Um, which by the way thank god like what the heck like why is it so restrictive and why are questions and why is critical thought so like, demonized in the Christian space. Like, like that's all in of it's, that in of itself is a problem. So anyway, um, I started taking my team on this journey because I started realizing, like, ooh, this is not just a Mike thing. This is not just, like, my opinion or concern. Like, there's something beyond me or us that's, like, going on here. And I want my team to be informed. And I want us to wrestle this stuff out for ourselves and for us to personally divest from systems of oppression, toxic theology, harmful ideologies, ideologies and practices. I was like, I want us to be, like, morally and socially, spiritually responsible with what this was producing in us and in our impact and the way that our work affected other people and who we were even helping at that point. So we went on this journey. We read a bunch of books. We took it seriously. We got to work. I think some of them have read more books in the last year and a half than they had in the previous five. Um, but i that to say just like different voices different perspectives different tenets of christianity and the ways that it got warped and turned into very specific things that were not good for people we did all that and it was crazy and it's not done (laughs) but man it had it took its toll and so i'm going to step off the deconstruction train and just address like the result of the beliefs that changed of the deep concerning the christian term would be repentant um processes that each of us went down in our own ways like all of our beliefs collectively drastically shifted away from what we were taught to believe growing up because we just kept finding more and more evidence that what we were taught growing up is not just harmful for to other people but it's also based off of things that are not that are invalid it's not justified to believe these things and then to impose them on other people's freedom like it's not okay. it's not okay <clears throat> and so that was like That was costly for all of us in several ways and a big one was like socially relationally um it caused all of us to have to renegotiate who was what in our lives like uh, so many of our parents and our families you know growing up like still adhere to really toxic ideas bad christian ideas that impose harmful things onto people's lives and like actually produce diminishment in their experience and a reduction of their expression and a performative approach to intimacy which is so sad and wrong so anyway we just like got to pull that stuff apart and some of us got hit harder than others i think i got hit hard early and then got to like recover and was leading them through this process and then each people each person had their own version of like tripping up and eating it right? And thankfully we had each other. And like, thank God that we got to do this as a group and go on a journey together with this. Cause man, doing this alone, I know there's so many people out there who deconstruct alone or have done that alone. And it was devastating because it's, it's, it's so isolating, especially when you come from an environment and a community where the majority of the people you know, or are close to are still deeply subscribed to these really bad ideas that you actually no longer can like align with, but they don't get it. And the moment you question or like express disagreement, or disapproval with these things that they hold as sacred, you become othered. You turn into the enemy, and they turn on you, and it's so, like, predictable at this point. It's, like, sad. I don't think that's a Christian thing. I think it's probably a human tribalistic thing. I'm sure that happens in other environments as well, but, like, it's really sad and dehumanizing to experience that. So, Those of you who are listening to this who deconstructed alone, I just want to take a moment and acknowledge like, man, that must have been so hard. And I'm sorry you had to do that by yourself. But I also want to acknowledge uh, and commend you for doing it anyway. Like, I think that takes guts and it takes courage and character to do that. And I respect you for it because so many of us who deconstruct didn't do it because we were just tired of Christianity. We did it because we couldn't keep doing the, the, the other thing anymore. It, like, it was too painful and violating to keep pretending like that stuff was okay when we knew better. Um, and the more informed we became, the less tolerable going along with it became. Uh, and so, yeah, it's expensive, but at least we got to keep our hearts in the process right. So I commend you for doing the work. Um, so all that to say, <laughs> a few months ago, I actually hit a a spiral and I went like into this dark place for a couple months I didn't black out I was still functional I was still showing up in my life and my relationships I was still producing content in my platforms and you know doing all that work but um, I felt so disconnected from what I was doing Um, like I, I wasn't passionate about my work anymore and I didn't know where it was going anymore and you know, there's all these like questions and concerns about what was happening to me and why. And, and you know, I've, I've been going on multiple walks every day for a long time now. <laughs> and I'm really thankful for the privilege to get to do that, right? But all that to say, for a few months, I just like was aware. Like, I think my pattern is what we would describe as depression. You know, I'd wake up in the morning um, not looking forward to anything in the day. Like, I had nothing in my day that I was like anticipating or like that felt, I, that felt pulled by or inspired by. Um, And it's not because I didn't have cool things going on. I did. I just wasn't affected by them emotionally. It didn't hit me on that level. Um, I'd go to bed at night and I'd think, I'm doing this again tomorrow. And there's nothing tomorrow that I feel connected to and that was like a, a an ugly place to be right and it lasted for a couple of months I don't recommend that man and so I had to like start getting a lot more aggressively self-aware of my rhythm my process how I was taking care of myself and how I wasn't and I'd already put some pretty intense practices in place to take care of myself emotionally and my mental health because of the hate I was receiving from coming out as a gay person months prior right so thankfully I had some of that rhythm in place but this was like another level of um like disorientation and feeling removed from my own experience like it was just like disheartening and in hindsight I look back and I'm like I think a big part of why that happened to me was my audience was changing and the thing is like I knew this was going to happen and I knew it was happening but um, it's one thing to anticipate calamity that you can you know like practically Um, predict is going to happen. It's another thing entirely to have to walk it out and like experience it, you know? And like, because like I knew people were going to treat me a certain way when I came out as a gay man. I knew it. I knew that my audience was going to respond in a certain way. I knew that my company was going to lose certain percentage of our clientele and all that. I knew all that stuff was going to happen. And then it happened. (laughs) And then the actual experience, I knew I was going to lose all of my speaking gigs that I had booked for 2022. And within 24 hours of coming out publicly, Every single one of those establishments contacted me and informed me that I would no longer be speaking at their event. I knew that was going to happen and it still sucked, right? It's still painful to have to actually hear and confirm the rejection, the exclusion, the condemnation. Um, Anyway, so I went through these few months of like just apathy, indifference. Like I just didn't care, which was scary, right? Um, and so I forced myself to go to this event um, where there's this guy who leads this whole thing and I just respect his, his content and the way that he leads people and his ethos. And it was a game changer um, before when I went to his event. So I went to it again. Um, it's the event I went to in Orlando, if those of you who follow me on my social media. <laughs> and thankfully it did exactly what I hoped it would. Um, I'm really grateful for the environment, the atmosphere that was created there, the people that were there, the different speakers and what they brought. It was helpful it was catalyzing. Um, But while I was there, I was talking to a friend, a new friend that I'd met. She followed me on social media for a while and we met at the event, which was super cool. Shout out to Liz. Um, Anyway, we had meals a couple times. And one of the times we were talking, uh, I just kind of expressed to her, I was like, I want to find something underneath the work I'm doing now that ties all of it together. Because right now, presently, I've got a group on Tuesdays that we meet and we address uh, poverty, right? Like the Like in the charismatic stream, we would have called it the spirit of poverty. If in my deconstructed life, I wouldn't necessarily use that language anymore. And so I would say, you know, people who have been patterned to live and perceive and behave along the lines of lack in their relationship with resource in their life or opportunity or possibilities. So the whole sparkle journey is like helping us like reawaken to possibility and expansion. And the word is prosperity. I know that's like a, it's a charged word, but I think that word is actually really important and beautiful to the human experience. I know it's been perverted. <laughs> so like there's all this drama that comes up when I say that word, but it's something I care about deeply. Um, cause it's something that I've, I would say it this way that God has walked me through. It's a closet that I had to come out of. I had to leave the poverty stricken worldview and ex- life experience and open up myself vulnerably to something greater than that. And I think that's an invitation that all of us have. So anyway, on Tuesdays, I meet with my Sparkle group and we do that. And then on Wednesdays, I meet with my Rainbow Room group. And this is a community of like of queer Christians who are trying to reconcile their faith and their sexuality. And then more importantly, like how that impacts their relationships and and sense of community. Right. And so I meet with that group on Wednesdays. And on Thursdays, I meet with my deconstruction group, deconstruction group called Ashes. And so I was telling this friend, like, I would like... To figure out how these things come together and i think there's something underneath i did not know what i meant exactly i just knew there's something true here and so anyway when i came back from that event i went uh i was about to meet with my director of operations and right before i went for a walk and i just got to processing and it happened i don't know what happened there but like i i hit it i found something underneath all of those things <laughs> and i was like oh my gosh I mean, this wasn't new. It was mostly like a reminder of something that I had touched before a few times and I've just been too scared to face it because it feels daunting for me. It feels like a little bit beyond me. I feel maybe unqualified to represent this, even though it's something that I'm definitely living out and I have experienced a few times in my life, like walking through this. Um, So all that to say, NUMA is going to take a new direction. I would like to shift. I don't want to stop doing what we're doing, but I want to put more energy and emphasis and focus on this new direction so i don't know if all of you who are following me or listening to this if you had heard that i'm doing a workshop called how to know your significant next step without the bible prayer or your pastor's approval right that's a workshop that i'm going to do and that's a first step into this whole dare i say new initiative that i imagine is actually going to be deeper work than i've ever done in this journey and being the experimental almost scientific entrepreneur that I am it, I always just want to kind of caveat it with like who knows what's going to happen here it feels like a risk an experimental a calculated risk but risk nonetheless um who knows what's going to happen here I am open to possibility and you know like allowing for how my audience responds to this to dic- to like inform me of like what's landing and what's not but all that to say I'm going to try and say this concisely this episode has already gotten longer than I anticipated but here we are, so, in the journey of pursuing what I would say is truth, or living authentically, I found that I, one of my deepest longings and desires, when I was in the Christian world, I would have expressed it this way, my deepest longing and like most um, powerful prayer, I probably would, that's how I'd say that, sorry, I like I police my language a lot now, because so much of Christian christianese like the vernacular within christian culture is colonized and has so many charged ideas attached to that verbiage and so i actually need to divest from that whole ecosystem i think i've done that in a lot of ways but i it's just still there it's deeper right um so all that to say i my one of my deepest prayers in the my adult life was i want to know god like god i want to know you um, I didn't want more theology, better doctrine. I didn't care about that stuff as much. It mattered somewhere. But I wanted to know God um, because—and that prayer was there before I ever actually met God. And again, like let me just clarify language-wise. Like At this point in my process, I want to acknowledge when I say the, the word God, I know that means something different to everyone on some level, Right? And I want to give you permission, whoever you are and wherever you are in your journey or process, to interpret when I say God, however you need to. And if that, I don't need to give the list. Like, however it is that you experience or relate to that idea, I'm good with. I don't need you to, like, regard what I mean when I say God the way I regard it, the way I regard this person. Because in my opinion and experience, God is a person. I know there are a lot of people out there who don't believe that anymore. And that's okay. And I actually respect that. And I get it. It's not weird to me. It's not shocking. I understand how people get there, it makes a lot of sense. It's just not my experience. And so I don't get to honestly like express myself in that way. It's not honest for me. So for me, God is a person and like a being in this universe, however it is that that works. I know we can't explain it yet, but all that to say, um, I have this deep longing to know this person. And I don't mind if you interpret that as that i'm expressing a deep longing to know the universe or the source of where we came from or you know um, love or the super, my super whatever like whatever you want to call it i'm good that's fine honestly like i don't i don't have a hang up there i actually have more of a hang up for anyone who wants to regulate or gatekeep that for people um, so all that to say uh, this deep longing is there <laughs> want to know god and Thankfully, I've had several experiences in my life that um, have exposed me to this person. And for some of you, I'd say this idea of God, whatever it is that we're talking about. I've had experiences of God. And in that place, I think that's been one of the biggest drivers and accountability for me in the coming out um, journey and the deconstruction journey. All my theology, like that stuff has been held accountable by what I've encountered in the nature of God. This person is love. Like, actually deep, powerful, electric, fiery, divine love. God loves us, loves people, and when we like allow ourselves to be one with God... <laughs> yielded to God however it is you want to again like language however you want to talk about that like we become love and that's I think the deepest longing any of us have is to receive and to give like successfully completely wholly that love right um and so from that driver and that longing uh, I've had a lot of experiences that have come out of that place and all that to say um I have some deep Deep. That's the part that scares me. Is like, it's the, some of the deepest stuff I've ever known. Uh, I would like to start doing more intentional effort toward inviting people into knowing, being exposed to what I've been exposed to. Knowing what I know. Touching what I've touched. And I don't have control over that. That's part of like the risk, is I can't make this happen. But I am very passionate about this. And it ultimately is I think what drives my faith and belief in people. Like I have such a regard for human beings and their potential and like what's available and true within them now and what they could do with that, what they could become, what they could express, what they could experience, what they could be in the world. I'm arrested by this awareness and i it's sacred to me. So all that to say, I've been in the garage, you know, the proverbial workshop, if you will, just tinkering away. Imagine me with like a welding mask down and I'm just like firing away at these different things. (laughs) Building, I'm tinkering and building. Um, I am designing and building a process and framework to help people go on the journey that I've gone on um, that has ultimately ruined my life in the best ways. So this isn't for everyone. This is like the work I'm doing now and the way I want to serve and who I want to serve is people who are ready to um give their life the fullest go they're capable of at this point at this iteration of who they are if you're ready to move from wherever you are to somewhere i would use the word better and that definition belongs to you subjectively whatever is better for you um there are patterns and protocols and laws in place that I've discovered along the way that will help open us up to the deepest, most loving and inspired and convicted awareness we are capable of possessing in our experience as, as humans. <laughs> I know it sounds so dramatic and I think it's part of why it's intimidating for me because like I'm talking about a pretty fundamental component of what it means to be us and it matters a ton. And so all that to say, um, I've come out of a few different closets in my life. Obviously, the biggest, most socially upsetting one was excuse me, was coming out of my the sexuality closet. But there are other closets we end up in, right? Like some people come out of a political closet, but I would dare like push that envelope and say there are other closets we are living within cuz we're comfortable there, we're safe there, we avoid consequences there, we reap benefits by living there. But all the while it's actually all all on the like coming from the cost of of who we are, of our hearts. And in my experience, especially in my exposure to this person of God, that is an an inequitable exchange. It is unjust to navigate our lives that way. It's inappropriate to choose to live like that. (laughs) So all that to say, my gosh, um, there's a rollout that's going to be coming out in sections. Like it's going to be uh, once like steps at a time. It's not going to all come out at once, which is so not my style. And I think a sign of maturity on my part that I've become a little bit more seasoned and refined in my ability to serve my audience. But that change of audience was disorienting. And now it's like, okay, I've been rebuilding a different community of people who are listening to what I have to say. And there's been growing pains with that for sure. But I don't necessarily want to attract um, someone different from who I used to lead. I want to attract anyone. I want to speak to and serve and help and equip and empower anybody who is ready and willing to give up what they must in order to live authentically. And I don't have an end goal in mind for any of those people. The beauty of this is they all get to decide for themselves. And I don't even know if that's the right way to say that. They all get to discover for themselves what that is. I don't have to end them, like like get them somewhere in particular. As a Christian leader in the church world, I had to get people to a certain end result, right? It was always unto this particular ending point, which, you know, was swearing fealty to Jesus, uh, keeping it in your pants until you're married. And even then it's like, anyway, it was like, it was all these really restrictive, required, specific Um, what's the word I want, protocols, components that were demanded. And it's nice to not have to like adhere to that anymore. Um, Not just because it's like, it's like hard and like I'm I'm over it. It's because like, no, this is like justice work. This is liberation work. This is genuine empowerment. This is freedom work. This allows love to be what it is, who they are in the lives of people. And I care about that. And it also allows for the secrets that each person harbors in their, per, in their being to be given permission to be revealed. Each of us can only reveal certain things about God. that no one else can. I deeply, firmly believe that. Um, and I know a lot of us maybe don't get that or don't believe it, but it's true. And stick around long enough, I will convince you that it's true. You harbor secrets of the divine that no one else can show us. And we must know it. Oh, there's so much dare I say abortion that happens in the lives and potential of people because of, and dare I like point out that religion actually comes in and steals from what people could become, what they could offer, what they could express, reveal, create, because of the restrictive, exclusive, oppressive nature of how controlling religion has, has become. So I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. The point is like, hey, this is a direction that I've been convicted by for a long time. I just now at this season of my life have more willingness and clarity to actually like put effort here to test my mettle, <laughs> to commit. Um, but this is an end that I believe in deeply. It's an end that I've experienced multiple times over and it will continue to practice and walk out in my life. And there are so many things to learn along this way. What along the way here? (laughs) So many things to understand that would actually open us up from the inside out and ultimately create a life where we're not hiding anymore. We're not pretending for anyone anymore, but that's not even like the goal. That's the the journey, that's the process, that's the next step along the way. But at at the end of this, your life is telling a story. Your life is telling a love story. You are deeply loved by the person, the being, the entity, whatever that brought you about. You are not alone and indifferent in this world. You are affectionately held. And something intentional and purposeful has always been going on in your life. And if you have the guts to look, you will start noticing an intelligent pattern, a narrative, a story that is being told. And you're not the one telling it. Your life is telling it and it's profound and I could start crying right now if I just go further down this road but um, I've absolutely 100% witnessed that in my life on multiple through multiple iterations of who I am and I'm excited because like this is just the beginning right it's gonna continue to unfold I hope I have the guts and the willingness to continue to allow this process to have its effect in my life and to continue to increase my capacity to to serve and to contribute to the people around me Um, Okay, I think that I shared the gist of what I wanted to. I got a little long-winded there in the middle. I apologize. But I do want you all to know this is happening. Um, My bent is not going to be theology. I will address and confront theology along the way because it's just going to be necessary. So if you were raised Christian and you still have like attachments to some of the things you brought with you, it's great. I actually don't need you to not be a Christian. The thing that I will confront as we go is the harmful, restrictive, regressive things that Christianity still upholds as valuable that I have found on an ethical level is actually against human flourishing and not in the heart or nature of god uh so uh listen it's going to be a wild messy um consequential transformative journey and if you're ready for that if that's you then you're in the right place and i would encourage you to pay attention to the opportunities that i will be putting out there the invitations for people to engage with work and things that i'm doing my team and i are putting together it's time for the ride of your life to kick off. It's time to start clinking up that roller coaster if you will and experience the ups and downs of being honest about who you are and what you're experiencing and what you believe and what you are like willing to allow in your life and in the lives of people around you and the subsequent or like the consequent result that comes from somebody who lives that free who dares to actually walk out freedom for themselves. I'm very excited welcome to the adventure. Thanks for being here. All right, everybody. um, Listen, if you didn't submit a question for my workshop, but you'd like to do that, uh, I'm going to provide a link in this episode for you to do that. Basically, just like submit a question in your email and your name, and you'll get access to this workshop that I'm doing for free. The workshop, again, is called How to Know Your Significant Next Step Without the Bible, Prayer, or Your Pastor's Approval. All right, so for those of you who are new, welcome. Thanks for being here. I'm excited For our new relationship and getting to go where we're gonna go. Those of you who have stuck with me from my Bethel days to now, I want to thank you for your patience, your kindness, your compassion, your ability and willingness to understand and to listen. Thanks for being here. Uh, I'm honored because I know that was quite a transition and not many people made it, so thank you if if that's you. Uh, I'm very excited and hopeful about where all this is going and what's gonna happen ultimately What's gonna happen in your life? Like there is so much goodness that we're gonna to get to finally like say yes to and give permission, full acceptance to come into this world. And it's only, to come through, only going to come through you. And I'm so excited to get to partner with you in that and give you a bunch of tools and knowledge and community and atmosphere to support that journey. Thank you for being here. All right, we'll see you next time. Listen, there's more where this came from. If you want to see how deep this rabbit hole goes, check out mikemayashiro.com.